0: It's great to be here worshiping with you and we're launching a new series this morning called Across the Ages. And man, we're talking about what it looks like for the church in a timeless sense, right? There's things about the church that can be cultural. In fact, there's things about the church that even kind of align with the area you live in. And uh, we were on vacation this past week and went out west And uh, we ended up down in California, Southern California, down there for a few days. And uh, I'm just telling you, the respect for the church isn't real high there. And uh, at one point, I was actually wearing my Harvest Bible Chapel Peoria uh, jacket that I had. And uh, there were a number of people that did one of these. They look down, they look at your jacket, and then they're like, oh yeah, don't want to talk about that at all. And then they kind of move on. You know, and one guy actually was sitting at a hotel. The guy said, so what do you do for a living? And I let my wife speak first. And uh, she talked about being a biblical counselor. And uh, the guy looked down. And then he put his head, he literally put his head on the table like he was in pain and agony now. You know? And then he looks at me and he goes, what do you do? I'm a pastor of a church. And then he just shook his head. He goes, oh. And and that was it. Like he didn't want to talk at all about the things of Christ or the things of the church. So we talked about Hawaii, and uh, which is where he was from originally. And uh, you know, it's just interesting to see what people's view of the church is and what they think is going on. I'm just telling you, when you say the word church, people hear that and they're like, "I have an understanding of it." They may be wrong completely. They probably haven't understood this church right here very much at all. There's times where they've been in something, they, they uh, didn't appreciate the experience in some way, and they put those two experience and words together, and that became church for them. Man, I'm telling you, there is a timeless God. He sits in this world and over this world. He rules with all authority, and he is to be worshiped. By us, and all of God's people said, and hear me, man, if God is timeless, then our worship needs to be timeless as well. And and so, what are we going after? Who are we going after? And what does that look like? We're going to launch into a series here, Second Corinthians, and we're going to be walking through uh, Second Corinthians chapters one through three over the summer. And we're calling this Across the Ages This is What Is True about our God and about life with our God. This is what is true about the, ready, the ministry of reconciliation. That's some of the phrasing that Paul uses in 2 Corinthians. This is what it looks like to worship our God in a timeless way, all right? And so as we dive into this, this isn't just what Paul and those guys did 2,000 years ago. This is for us today. Everybody just say, it's for me. And here we go. Across the ages, as we dive in, learning about what our God has to say about life and ministry. Turn with me, if you will, to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. And uh, we'll start in verse 1. Uh, First point, rest. Rest in the comfort of your loving Father, rather than the comforts of this world. Man, if we're going to go after a strong, healthy church life, If we are going to understand what God had intended for us and live it out to the fullest, man, make sure you rest in the comfort of your loving Father rather than the comforts of this world, okay? Here we go, starting in verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to the church of God that is at Corinth with all the saints who are in the whole of Achaia, and, uh, So just so we're clear here, this is the intro to a letter. This is kind of typical to a lot of the letters that were written, a lot of the epistles that were written, and so it it has a who it's from and a who it's to, right? And so it says Paul, and we know that name. This is the Apostle Paul. His name used to be Saul. He went through a transformation time where he's now believing in Jesus Christ and he's sharing the truth of Jesus Christ. He says, an apostle. That word in the original language literally means the sent one, one who is sent with a purpose. And notice it says, the sent one of Christ Jesus. He is coming to represent Jesus Christ. He is coming to bring the truth and the hope of Jesus Christ. Paul is on a mission, and uh, not by his own will, it says, by the will of God. And uh, if you're wondering what Paul is doing, he's like, hey, just so we're super clear here. I do carry in a a role, the apostle, and that was a very big role. All of the churches sat under apostleship, and so he's basically saying, I am in charge. I have authority over you by the will of God, not by my own self-proclamation, but because God has declared it so. And then he says, and Timothy, our brother, not by the will of Timothy, be careful how you read that, it's uh, also from Timothy. Timothy and Paul are the ones writing this, and uh, they're getting a letter out to the church at Corinth that says, to the church of God that is at Corinth with all the saints who are in the whole of Achaia. And so really this area, Corinth and Achaia, this is, think of uh, like southern Greece, okay? That's what they're hitting, that little peninsula of Greece, and they're hitting that lower portion of it and uh, trying to get this letter out to all those guys. Corinth had a number of problems. And uh, it was a pretty decadent town. And uh, 1 Corinthians deals with most of the sin problems that were going on there. This is the second letter written to Corinthians, to the Corinthians. And he's really like, hey, I just want to get a few things square. This is probably one of the most relational letters that Paul wrote. There's a lot of personal sharing. There's a lot of revealing out of hope and passion and purpose. 1 Corinthians was like, stop doing that. All over the place. That's 1 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians is like, let's make sure we understand why we're here. And let me give you my understanding of ministry and what God is doing in my life and what he can be doing in your life. It's a very deep, personal sharing from Paul to this church and to the broader area. He says, grace to you and peace from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is like, hey. right? He's saying Hello. And uh, the word for hello, actually was very similar in the Greek to the word grace. And so a lot of people would use that word and they would say hello, and it basically meant hope things go well with you. That's kind of what it meant. But grace means something more. It means long for my God to be blessing and working in your life. It became a Christian recognition, this grace and peace to you. And he's basically saying, hey man, just want to say Hi. But way more than just hello, I long for God to be working in your life. Grace and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Man, make sure you are always living life in the vertical. And uh, notice he doesn't just give a horizontal hello. He's recognizing God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And he's saying, man, I long for them to be blessing you. And uh, this is the intro to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Now he jumps into a statement about his God. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. And, uh, this is kind of, a, kind of a typical recipe for Paul. Once he says who is writing the letter and who it's to, he then turns to saying, man, God is awesome, isn't he? And uh, that's where he goes right away. And uh, may we be that kind of church. Where the first thing rolling off our lips after we've said hello and welcomed in quickly is to make sure it gets to being all about our God. And all of God's people said, and huge deal. And blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And may God the Father be blessed. Why? Because he is the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. Two statements there. The Father of mercies. We don't really talk about him much that way. That is a title that Paul gives him here. The Father of Mercies. You think of what mercy is, right? Mercy is withholding a punishment due. And God the Father, he is all about that. He is all about making sure that he puts us in a spot where the punishment that was due us is actually covered in Jesus Christ on the cross. He is the Father of Mercies. He brings hope. Because punishment isn't all that's due us. We don't walk around remembering our sin. Have you ever grown up in a church like that? Right? And uh, I grew up in a church like that where really, and hear me now, we are sinners in need of a Savior. And all of God's people said, super important we grasp that. But if the only thing we grasp is our sin, we've missed the message. We have a Savior. His name is Jesus Christ. We have a God who brings mercy, man, hope, life in him. Bring your worship and make it much about your God. Man, that is a church on fire. And it is not just let's explore the depth of our sin and let's sit and wallow in it. And yes, recognize your sin. Now get done with that. It proved you need a savior. Get on to your king and a huge hope in him. He says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. And you might be like, wow, I'm not really comfortable right now. And uh, I'm I'm going through some tough things in my life. And uh, I don't know if God really succeeded in being the God of all comfort. Notice how much comfort there. What does it say? The God of how much comfort? All comfort. And uh, that's a big deal, man. God bringing into our lives a comfort of sorts. We'll talk about it in just a second. He is the God of all comfort. And uh, clearly alluding here to a spiritual comfort going on, but look at what he says. Who comforts us in all our affliction. Man, are you wrestling with something today? As you walked into this place today, are you carrying a burden you wish you never had to put on your back? Are you tasting and experiencing something you want done? An affliction, a pain that causes you to cry. Oppressing in the timing on that was unbelievable. Oppressing in, who comforts us in all our affliction? And uh, I just wrote these words down. What does it mean that God comforts us? Here's three things. What does it mean that God comforts us? He lessens the pain in our soul. That's number one. He lessens the pain in our soul. You see, often when we think of comfort, the first words that we think of then become physical comforts. We think of a couch. Oh, this is so comfortable. Right? We start talking about how soft it is, how fresh it smells. Comfort to us becomes something physical, but here he's speaking of something in the soul, and it brings a lessening of pain to the soul. There's a comfort that goes on in that. And second, he gives a hope, a hope in him. Hope. Right? There's a lessening of the pain in your soul. There's a hope. That begins to form in your God. This is a comfort that God is bringing. And then third, he instills a joy and a peace. There's almost an inexplainable peace. And we see in Philippians chapter 4, this peace comes as we thank our God, as we worship our God, as we praise our God, as we make much of him. As we celebrate him, as we come to him in prayer, he begins to bring a peace into our soul that we cannot understand or explain. And I'm telling you, it speaks to this world. When they see you going through your affliction with peace, the next question is, dude, what do you know that I don't know? And man, this church is meant to be that A church on fire. A collection of people who are wrestling through life, yes, afflictions. Man, if you were told something like, because you believe in Jesus Christ, there will never be any struggle or pain. If you were told that, I don't know who lied to you. That is not the truth at all. And if you notice here, the words that come off of Paul's mouth very, very fast are the words affliction and comfort. And I'm telling you, following Jesus Christ, yes, it brings with it some levels of struggle. And that becomes a theme throughout 2 Corinthians. We're going to see more of it even today in the rest of this passage. And uh, man, if you're in the health, wealth, and prosperity gospel plan, get off of it. It will train wreck you. You will expect things from your God that he is not in the game plan of delivering. Drop that plan. Now, it doesn't mean that there aren't times where God will bless physically. He very well may. He may bless with health. He very well may. And he may choose to walk you through something. He very well may. And the afflictions that we may walk through, hear me, you are not alone. Your God is with you and he loves you. He is there to comfort you with all he's got. He is there to train and to shape and to shepherd and to lead and to guide your God, lessening the pain in your soul, bringing a hope in him with all you've got, instilling a peace and a joy in the midst of the journey. He comforts us in all our affliction. And how many? You are not alone. You are not alone. And so as you dig deep into the rest of this day or this week or this month or this year, as you face your affliction, whatever it is that God is bringing upon or allowing into your life, know this, God's got a plan and he's leading you on a journey and he's gonna comfort you along the way and shape and shepherd with all he's got. Trust your God. And all of God's people said, It's a huge deal, man. Who comforts us in all our affliction so that... Now, whenever you see the word so that, just know that's a single Greek word being translated there, and it's a purpose statement, all right? There's a purpose statement being made. So that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. So that we can help comfort others. And just so you know... um, this phrase gets used a lot, and when somebody experiences a tragedy, you'll hear him say something like, God is doing this so that, you can't. I can't even say it without smiling, just so you know, don't ever, 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 everybody say never, never use this phrase with someone when they're in the middle of the front end of a devastation and a heartache, when they've lost someone they deeply love, when they're in the middle of a tragedy and a... a They can barely breathe from the struggle they're facing. This is not the hope to be brought. Well, you'll get to be able to share a comfort with another. I'm telling you, here's the answer. you are hear back every time. Well, maybe God shouldn't walk anybody through this. That's where they're at, man. That's a very real moment. And, And so please hear me. When you're in the middle of helping comfort someone, it's the first part. God is with you. He is your hope. Man, he is here to lessen the burden in your soul. You are not alone in this. And I can barely understand what God's doing, but I know your God is with you. That's the words you bring in the beginning. And all of God's people said, are you hearing me, dude? This is super important. I'm telling you, you're going to be in a moment. You're in a hospital room. And the words that will come to your mind or the words you've heard said before, well, at least you'll be able to comfort others who are going through this. Hold on to that truth. That's a truth that comes later on. It's a value as you're growing with your God and you've experienced the comfort of your God and you started to heal your soul. Now this is a truth you can begin to celebrate and step out with. And it is true that God has plans for us to work with one another and comfort one another. And we can literally bring the comfort that God has brought into our lives, into others. And it begins to be a team play. But man, those are not the first words to be shared. Your God loves you. He's here to comfort you. You are not alone in this. Hope in him. All right? Huge deal. He says, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction. How many types of affliction? And it's not narrowed. And we have the chance to be able to come alongside any and all who are in heartache and hurt with them, and cry with them, and long for them, and pray for them, and cry out for God to do a miracle work in their life and have their soul literally restored in a way they could never, ever, ever have imagined on their own. God's got a plan. And as we walk through this world, we will taste of some afflictions. And we will taste of the comfort of our king. And, uh, It says, for as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. As we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, this isn't saying that we go literally to a physical cross, but this is saying, man, you're going to experience some tough stuff. And in the midst of it, because you're following Christ, it's going to bring along with it some potential pain and suffering. Some of you are like, why did I come to church today? I I don't want to hear about suffering. That's not really what I want to be into, but just so you know, God shapes our soul. Right? James chapter 1 says, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. If you've ever read that verse and thought, why would I count that joy? If you've thought that, know this, it says right after it, because he's going to build in you endurance and a patience. He's going to do a work in your soul. God's shaping you and growing you. He's healing you. He's transforming you from one degree of glory to the next. And unfortunately, that takes heat. And uh, heat shapes the soul. And God brings us through that as he shapes us into true worshipers. Not self-worshipers, but worshipers of our king. And uh, the promise here, may we get after it with all we've got. And when you think back to the church over the centuries and the number of times that there has been persecution and the number of people who have gone through heartache, we're living in pretty soft times, right? When the worst thing that happens to us is they're like, those people are weird. That's the worst thing that happens to us is they don't understand and so they put a little label on it and, and, and that's it. And that's all you have to put up with. I'm telling you, even in this world right now on the other side of the globe, there is Tough, tough stuff going on. And these verses of affliction and God's comfort bring tears to their eyes as they cry out with hands raised up, Amen to that! I'm not alone! My God is with me in this! And man, you may be in that right now, right here, because of some personal thing going on. Man, lean on your King. He is with you. He has got you, he is transforming you, and he is making a statement in this world. Hear me, we are the sent ones, called out with a purpose to make much of our God. May he get all the glory. And uh, he says, for we share abundantly in Christ's suffering, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too we have the privilege of great and glorious comfort, of him doing a thing in your soul you may never have imagined would come, of him being able to heal or restore or shape maybe like never, ever before. Man, long for the comfort of Jesus Christ. Long for the comfort of your Father. That is the church on fire. You see, all too often we live our week where we're like, I want it soft, and then we start to look for churches that will preach it soft, and uh, we ain't going to be that church. We're going to, amen to that. We're going to lean on this word, and we're going to rely heavily on what God shares for us, and man, I'm telling you, God is calling us to go go through struggles and learn and grow. To watch God change and shape us maybe like never before. May God get all the glory. Okay? And that's where we're going, man. That is the church that is timeless. I'm telling you, health, wealth, and prosperity messages die with an affluent society dying. And in the moment of affluence, you can claim health, wealth, and prosperity and get away with it. And where there isn't affluence, it doesn't sell anymore. We are going to walk through the truth of God's word. And uh, we are called to some levels of struggle and affliction, but we are promised comfort along the way. That is a huge, huge hope. uh, So that said, uh, this past week, uh, we were on vacation. We actually flew out to Phoenix, Arizona, and uh, we were out there for a couple days, and then we drove out to the coast, to the California coast, down by San Diego, Huntington Beach, that area. And uh, beautiful down there. And uh, Phoenix was... um, hot. For those of you who looked at the weather, it was 121 degrees out there, and uh, literally plastic mailboxes and garbage cans were melting in the sun. And so we were like, hey, let's go out in it. And so we were out by the pool and uh, hanging out there for a couple of days, and then we went out to the coast and uh, hung out there. Now, for those of you uh, who don't know, we've uh, been traveling out there the last two years. This is our second time out there, and, and uh, our family loves the sun. And uh, when we didn't know this, but there's such a thing called June Gloom in California, and uh, we experienced it and tasted of it, which is basically, it is overcast all morning and part of the afternoon, and uh, so it was like 67 degrees, so we went from 120 degrees to 67 degrees in just that little drive. We were hanging out and, uh, by a fire pit and uh, staying warm and wearing sweatshirts, and, and uh, we did little walks around the area and just had a blast doing just kind of a relaxed down key thing, and then any moment sun popped out, we raced for it, you know what I'm saying? And it got to a point towards the end of the week we'd skipped, there were a couple days with no sun, and it was killing me. I don't know what happens in my soul, but it's not good. And when I go without the sun on a vacation, I'm like, this is horrible! And uh, so we made a decision, we were going to hang around on the last day and get some sun because they were talking about it finally breaking, and uh, then we found out we had to check out of our hotel at 11, guess what time the sun broke out? 11... Right, And so we're like sitting there on the porch going, come on baby, give me some, like we were trying to get out in just a little of the sun and my one daughter, Alyssa, was feeling a little sick so we decided, you know, we're not going to hang around, it would be brutal to her, that was brutal to my soul, jumping in the car, I'll be honest, but so we jumped in the car to drive back to Phoenix, our flights were in and out of Phoenix, so we're driving back and now I have one goal, you can guess what it is, get there before the sun sets, Right? I'll take 120 degrees of sunshine, bring it, let's go. And so we jump in the car and we're like moving. And then I'm like, hey, I got an idea. How about if we just eat in the car? Everybody good with that? Like we're just gonna keep driving. And so we're going, we're moving fast, right? Not against the law, but fast, right? We're in the HOV, whatever those lanes are on the far left side where we can just keep clipping along. And uh, we finally stopped for a meal and God just saying, relax. I ordered my meal, and and it took 25 minutes at a fast food restaurant for them to bring the food out. And when they finally brought it, I'm like, this better be the best-tasting burger I've ever had. It was a burger and fries, man. It was crazy. So we finally get back in the car, and we're driving, and I'm eating, and we're talking, and we're going through the lanes where you can go a little quicker without slowing down for traffic, and we are moving. Our job is to get there for the sun. And... uh, we ended up pulling in at about 5 o'clock, uh, which actually turned out fine. 5 o'clock sun in Arizona is like sitting on the sun. <laughs> it was hot, man. But we got out by the pool and just kicked back, and we're taking it up, just catching like another hour of sun there and relaxing down an hour and a half or so by the pool and just cool down. And I realized I have a real problem in this area, and it probably needs to go, Right? And I'm preaching about comfort coming up on Sunday. And here I am racing around for a little sunshine, right? And uh, man, I'm just telling you how often in our lives are we racing around for a little bit of the sunshine, for just a little taste of some of this earthly comfort, just give me some soft something right now and then I'm good, then I'll relax. Our worship actually is sitting on, God, give me this first, then, then I'll relax, Man, are you where I was on Friday? Where you're looking for something other than your God to try to bring a little relief and then you'll relax. Be careful. uh, It doesn't bring happiness to your family too, I can tell you that. (laughs) So watch out. Make sure the comfort you're going after is comfort in your king. Not comfort in this world, but comfort in your God. May he lessen the pain. May he bring hope in him. May he bring a peace like you've never tasted or experienced. Him first and foremost. And all of God's people said, all right, how are you doing on that journey? Where is your comfort being found? Number two, in the face of heartache and struggle, trust in your loving Father who has a plan in the face of heartache and struggle, trust in your loving Father who has a plan. He says, if we are afflicted, and, uh, it is for your comfort and salvation. And if we are comforted, it is for your comfort. Now, I'm going to read that again slower and I'm going to emphasize one word. Are you ready? Here we go. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. And if we are comforted, it is for your comfort You hearing that? Paul's like, hey man, I'm going through affliction and I'm going through comfort with my God. And both of them, whether in the affliction or in the comfort, may you be comforted by that. He's like, I just want you to know and understand that as you watch God working in my life, whether it be through the heartache or through that blessing moment, whatever it is that's going on, may God be revealing to you and relaxing you in him. Hope in your God. And Paul's like, I'm telling you, I've been going through some pretty tough stuff. I long for it to be a healing to your soul. Are you willing to hurt for someone else? Are you willing to be going through something so that someone else can see God at work in this world? That's what Paul's saying here. That you literally, that this church literally could be the example to this community. There is tough stuff going on, but we will worship. We are wrestling through an affliction, but God's comfort is our satisfaction and peace. Man, when they look in from the outside to go, I don't get that. Are you willing to be that church? Paul's like, I long for my affliction or my comfort, whatever it is, to speak a blessing into your soul and to show you who God is. Man, are you willing to have God work in your life? Yes, transforming you. Yes, speaking to those around you and helping transform them. And that's sacrifice. Do you have that spirit of sacrifice? Or are you like... Yeah, this is a big call. I'm going to need to go out and get a polar pop and think about it. (laughs) Right? How often do we think of the creature comforts as our relaxed moments? May we begin to think of our God as our relaxed moment. That is a church on fire through the ages. Right? Okay. He says here... um, which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. He's like, once you've watched me walking through it and seen what God's doing, now you're going to be walked through it by God Almighty, and you're going to know how to respond to your God. There's going to be an overwhelming sense of comfort that comes in the midst of knowing Him and being able to see those who have walked ahead of you and how they've done it. Man, I'm telling you this. This is a massive calling for us. May we seek to understand how to endure patiently. Do you know what the word patient actually is uh, in the original language? It literally means to remain under well. Patience. To remain under well. Like a pressure on your back that you feel and experience And to remain there with worship. Well, may God get all the glory. And uh, he says, which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings we suffer. Our hope for you is unshaken. And I want to tell you, I almost called this sermon series, Unshaken. That is just an awesome title. Our hope for you is unshaken. There will be nothing that moves us because our hope is set in God Almighty Our hope is not set in anything earthly or in any human being. Our hope is set in God. And because of it, man, I'm telling you, we will not move. Our hope is unshaken. For we know that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. He's like, I'm telling you this I have tasted and seen that the Lord is good. And because of it, I have absolutely no concern as I turn and see you going through a tough moment. I know my God is going to make good in your life. I'm telling you, God is going to make good in your life. Trust Him. Lean in Him. Rest in Him. Cry out to Him. Allow the Holy Spirit to cry out for you. Romans chapter 8. And watch God move. Unshaken is their hope because they have tasted and seen that God will move. Come through. And our hope for you is unmovable. It's solid. It's firm. He says, For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. That's pretty bad, right? Like have you been in a moment where you're like, I'm pretty sure I'm going to die. And uh, you might be in a moment where you're going through a pretty light thing. It's not a very uh, deep, tough trouble, but there's a part of you that can't handle it. And you're like, I'm certain that this is going to be the end of me. I cannot possibly maintain my walk in the midst of this. And uh, man, are you wrestling with that right now? Make sure that you lean on your God in the midst. He says, we do not want you to be unaware. Like as you're going through the heartache, know this, God knows what he's doing. We were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. And uh, how often do we end up saying words like that, and we had to go through something like, are you kidding me? The wait in line to get into this restaurant is 18 minutes? this is going to be the death of me. I'm so hungry, right? And uh, you might be like, no, no, really, it was a lot worse than that. It was my kids' first day of school, and they were crying the whole time, and I'm like, this, this is going to be the death of me, and right? We end up labeling off, and we're so extreme in our labels, and we're really tasting and experiencing almost nothing. And uh, There was a moment on this trip where I was like, this will be the death of me. And uh, we were going up through the mountains and it was 121 degrees. And I glanced down at the gauge and I had been so confident about the traffic and trying to move through the traffic I wasn't watching. And we were down to 39 miles left on our gas gauge. And we're up there in those, you know what I'm talking about? Where you're up there in those mountains and you're up in the desert and it's like bad stuff, man. Like it says, they put up signs like, the next stop will be in 49 miles, right? They should have just put underneath it, God bless you all, right? Something, (laughs) something more hopeful. Like that was terrible, you know? And I'm like, when was the last time we saw one of those signs? And uh, praise God, it was only about 10 miles or so, 12 miles till we got there and it ended up ticking down into the 30s and I'm getting out and as I'm sliding the thing in to fill with gas, I'm like, thank you, Lord, that we did not have to figure out how to navigate 121 degrees with my daughter on crutches and trying to figure all that out. Like this could have been a really bad moment and that isn't even close to what Paul's talking about here. Not even close to the severity of the experience he went through as he was trying to reveal the hope of Jesus Christ to the world. He says, indeed we felt we had the sentence of death, but that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises us the dead. Are you hearing it? Uh, We go through tough times. Why? Because he's going to shift our focus off of this world and up onto him. And there's a moment where you might be in the middle of fist shaking. This is too hard, God. You don't know what you're doing. I'm telling you, stop the fist shaking. This is the God who brings life. He literally says, raise this one from the dead and he rises up. Lazarus, come forth. And the dude walks out, wrapped in clothing that you're supposed to be dead in. Jesus Christ, rising from the dead himself, God in charge of life. He knows what he's doing. Man, are you relying on your king? Are you putting it all on him? No matter what goes down, God, I'm relying on you. It is so easy for us to so quickly put our eyes down. Check yourself. Where is your gaze, your eyes? Are you fixing them on the Lord? Or are you fixing them on some earthly creature comfort around you in order for it to go a little easier? Are you willing to trust your God? I love the phrase, that was designed, that was to make us rely not on ourselves. That was to make us rely not on ourselves. Everybody say, not on ourselves. ourselves. But on God. Are you ready to walk with a vertical worship that will make much Your king. Trust. He's in control and he knows what he's doing. He's got a plan and a purpose with every struggle. You know, this past week, as we said, vacation time. Here's one thing I didn't say. Um, Two weeks ago, my daughter Megan uh, was playing catch and uh, twisted a little weird and blew her ACL out. So her ACL was completely gone. In fact, the kind where when you're sitting at the doctor's office and he's trying to show you the knee and the condition it's in, he's like, here's the meniscus. It should have looked like this, but it looks like this. Your meniscus has flipped up, blah, blah, blah. It's in a very bad spot. And what do they call it? A bucket handle tear on the meniscus. So it flipped up and it's kind of got the knee locked. And, uh, but more than that, uh, he starts moving on. This is a trained doctor now moving on with the MRI, and he's like, okay, and then now you should see, oh, I don't like that at all. (laughs) That's not a good moment, man, when the doctor has an exclamation out. He's like, I don't like that at all. I'm like, you don't like what? And he's like, I don't see any ACL here at all. And he starts moving around back and forth, and it's just gone. I mean, it just snapped, and it's completely obliterated. So she's going to be getting ACL surgery uh, a week from Monday. Uh, That's next Monday, July 3rd, that'll be a good way to bring in Independence Day, right? And uh, so we have her on the trip now. Now we're like, are we going to do this trip or should we cancel it? And the doctor was like, we can't get you in any earlier, there's no sense, she just needs to relax, just go ahead and take a break. So we ended up going out there on the trip, but crutching around everywhere isn't fun, Right? So we asked the hotel, and they actually had a, a wheelchair for us. They're like, yeah, we can get you a wheelchair. So we had a wheelchair in San Diego. You know, well, actually, it's Huntington Beach is where we were. And we're kind of hoofing it around with the wheelchair. Have you ever been the person in the wheelchair? Right? You have absolutely no control. Right? And the people are moving along, and then they decide it's going to be really funny to go super fast. I don't know who would have done that. <laughs> and then, And you have no control. It's just happening to you, right? And you're kind of riding along. Or there was one moment she really wanted to go into a store. Do you remember this? Really wanted to go into a store, so she kept grabbing the right wheel and slowing it down. (laughs) So that it would turn the... We didn't go into that store. And, uh, you know, I'm just telling you, um, you have little control when you're in the wheelchair. And that, honestly, is a lot of our walk with our God. You are in a wheelchair and God is pushing. And don't kid yourself, you are not the one with all the energy and the force in making it happen. And your God has it under control and he knows exactly where he's going. And sometimes it might be a little slower than you want and sometimes it might be a little faster than you want and sometimes he might not have gone into the store that you wanted. But you'll apologize later for that (laughs) temperament and tone along the way as you recognize and say, God, I'm relying on you. I am not relying on me, I am relying on you. Are you ready to go on the wheelchair ride of a lifetime? As your God shows you his blessing, his graciousness, his mercy, his glory, his power, his healing, his love for you as he takes you exactly where you need to be. Exactly when you need to be there, God's got it in hand. Are you ready? And I'm telling you, trust. It is the real test of our worship. Okay, God, you've got this. I'm leaning on you. How are you doing with your trust, right? And now number three. Hope. Hope in your God and pray. Pray for yourselves and those you know and love. He says, he delivered us from such a deadly peril and he will deliver us. Notice past tense and future tense. He delivered and he will deliver. Right? Like, I've seen my God in action. I'm not going to doubt him anymore. I'm done with that. Are you done with doubting your God? He has delivered and he will deliver. My hope is in him. Comfort in the midst of affliction. God, I'm no longer praying for zero affliction. I'm now praying that I'd be smart enough to recognize your comfort and rest in it. You will deliver and I'm trusting in you. He delivered us. And he will deliver us. On him we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. Where is your hope set? On whom is your hope set? He says, you also must help us by prayer so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted us through the prayers of many. Long to pray for those around you. Man, I'm telling you, there are people that are wrestling and dying and struggling in need. Learn to pray for them. Who in your family needs to be prayed for? Who in your friendship crew needs to be prayed for? Who in your impact group needs to be prayed for? And I'm not talking about the kind of prayer where you pray once and then six months later go, hey, whatever happened with that? Like Not that kind of prayer, but the kind of prayer where you write it down and you get after it day after day until you hear an answer, praying for them. Longing for them to experience God's comfort. Please hear what I just said. Not longing for that affliction to be done. That's so often how we pray. God, please end that affliction for them. And it's not wrong to request that. Lord, may this cup be taken from them. Right? Use the Garden of Gethsemane prayer. Lord, may this cup be taken from them, but your will be done. That circumstance is yours to manage. God, I just pray you wake their eyes up to seeing your comfort in any affliction, all comfort from God. Man, may we lean on him and pray for him to do a work. Maybe it's in your life personally. Maybe it's in the life of someone you know. Pray for God's comfort to be seen and tasted. Pray for us to work in this broken world in a way where we are running alongside our God and know that he is with you. He is with you. He is with you. Everybody just say, he is with me. And he is. You are not alone. And In the middle of the affliction... God has the exact comfort you need. Trust in Him. Let's pray.